0: Sharing the last couple Sundays on the subject of uh, why pray. So, we're going to continue on that this morning. It's a provocative title, but it's intended to be provocative and just to really ask ourselves uh, why pray? Is it something that we do just simply because God said we're supposed to? Is it something we do because we see different scriptures in the Word of God? Uh, and if we do pray, does it really make a difference? You know, if God's if God if God is God, isn't God going to do what God does and God does whatever God wants to do because he's God and you really think that my prayers or your prayers are going to make a difference in my life or in your life or in the life on, on planet Earth there? So we have to ask the question and not only be asking it, but uh, also get it settled in our hearts because we have enough uh, Bible scriptures uh, in the Word of God. You know, Thessalonians tells us to pray continually And Ephesians tells us we're to pray with all manner of prayer. We're to pray for labors of the harvest. You know, Jesus told us to pray for labors of the harvest. Well, Jesus died on the cross for the harvest, and God stated in his word that it's not his will that any perish, but that all have eternal life. Well, if that's his will, then why do we need to pray? Why doesn't he just save everyone? And, uh, you know, do my prayers make a difference whether people get saved or not saved? or Are they going to get saved anyway if God is sovereign? He said, well Pastor a, don't you think God is sovereign? I absolutely believe that God is sovereign, but I also believe that in his sovereignty he has delegated responsibility to the body of Christ called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and so we have responsibility and so and once we get it settled in our hearts and understand from a from a responsibility standpoint from a kingdom perspective, from an authority, a kingdom authority perspective, until we really grab a hold of the significance of our prayers and that God is dependent upon our prayers, only then do I believe do we get inspired to really pray with, a, with a significance, really pray with conviction and really begin to pray according to the word of God and get it settled in, into our hearts and, and not just going through a religious exercise. I shared with you before that sometimes I find myself some, some prayers become very routine, especially, you know, saying prayers over the meal, saying prayers over breakfast and pray over your lunch and pray over your dinner. And sometimes just, it just comes, it's just, it's habitual. And I'm, I guess that's better than not praying, right? But really, how many are we we really pressing into the kingdom of God? And what other types of prayers are we praying routinely? Not even really thinking about what we're saying. Not really recognizing and understanding the authority that we have. The significance and the impact that it makes on the kingdom of God. Uh, His uh, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Is his will going to be done here on earth even as in heaven? Even if we don't pray? Because he said this is how we should pray. Didn't he tell us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, Why should we pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven if, uh, if it's going to be done regardless of whether we pray or not? Because he is God. And I keep emphasizing that because that's the mentality, that's the thought life that many believers have that, well, God is God and God's going to do what he's going to do. And it really doesn't make any difference whether I pray or whether I do not pray. I beg to differ with you. We are commissioned to pray. We have authority to pray, and we have a responsibility to pray. And we're going to keep emphasizing it. So this morning, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. I want to read a few verses in there and just focus in on one of the statements that Jesus made here in this portion of Scripture. Matthew, chapter 14. And let's begin reading at verse 32. This is Jesus. He's praying in the garden. This is the night before his his, uh, betrayal and the arrest and his subsequent uh, crucifixion at Calvary. In verse 32, it says, Then they came to a place which is named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Now, that's the part the church has done a pretty good job in. We'll just sit here and let him pray. (laughs) Matter of fact, some people say, why do I need to pray? Because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God ever making intercessions for the saints. Uh, just a real quick lesson within a lesson that Jesus being seated at the right hand of God ever making intercession for the saints does not mean that he is praying 24 hours a day for you. And that therefore you don't need to pray. Jesus' intercession means He's inter, He's inter, interceding on your behalf. He's representing you to God and representing God to you. The very fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the Father, means you have the authority to come before the Father and to pray because Jesus is interceding for you. You can't go to God without Jesus. You see the difference there? Because Jesus is there, you can go there. You can go before the throne of God and pray. You can come with boldness to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in the hour of need because Jesus is there. You don't want to try and get in God's presence without Jesus in your heart. It's best if you stay away. Even the Old Testament bears that out in the the tabernacle. You didn't get in the Holy of Holies unless things were in order. (laughs) So anyway, like I said, that was a separate lesson right in and of itself. So let's take another offering, then we'll continue with this one. (laughs) Where was that? Verse 32. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough the hour has come behold the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners rise let us be going see my betrayer is at hand so jesus is in, in distress he knows that he's going to be arrested he knows he's going to be crucified at calvary's cross he knows he's going to shed his blood and die he knows he's going to uh, be buried now, he also does know that on the third day he's going to he's going to rise again but this nonetheless Jesus was tempted in every point, even as we are. The scriptures tell us that. So he was very concerned about this. In verse 36, where he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That's what we call the prayer of consecration and dedication. You know, there's, Father, I know what your will is, but, you know, if you could just change it up a little bit. I really don't want to do this if I don't need to do this. If you could just change this up. But nonetheless, I'm committed to you. I'm dedicating my life to you. Your will be done in my life, not my will. Jesus' will at that point where that God would come up with another plan for redemption. That was was what he was wrestling with. He said, so... you know, let this hour pass away from me. And then when he found them uh, found sleeping, he said, uh, could you not watch for one hour? Then in verse 38, notice what he said. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So why pray? Why pray? We gave you various reasons over the last several weeks, but today we want to focus in on on, on, the, on this particular answer here. Jesus said that we are to be prayerful, mindful, and to be prayerful so that we do not enter into temptation. Now, temptation is a very broad word that can, you can be tempted to chew bubble gum in public. You can be tempted to... <laughs> You can be tempted to do something far worse than that. But nonetheless, uh, temptation is very broad. But I personally believe that Jesus here, when he said, pray lest you enter into temptation, I want to remind you of the temptation. We looked at it a few weeks ago, the temptation that Jesus, I think, was first and foremost on his mind. I shared with you how the reason we are to pray is because how things go on the earth, how well kingdoms, God's kingdom advances on the earth is more up to us, the body of Christ than it is to God. And that is because God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he told Adam and Eve to rule, to reign, to have dominion to rule and to reign and to have dominion, to be fruitful and to multiply. And so that was their uh, God-given commission. They were authorized to be in, in, in authority on the earth. They, they, were, they were given that authority by God himself. And sure enough, not more than given that authority. Satan comes in. Eve is deceived. Adam falls into the same deception. They, they partook of the tree that they weren't supposed to be partaking of. And sin entered into the world. And when that sin entered into the world, Adam and Eve, basically the, the authority that God gave to Adam and to Eve, he told them to rule and to reign. So both of them had the authority to do so. The, the authority that God gave to them, they, they handed it over to the enemy because they yield it to the enemy's temptation. In, in the Gospels, you'll read in the Gospels that when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, he was immediately led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, tested by the, by the devil for 40 days. At the end of those 40 days, you know, he was fasting and the devil came to him and, and tempted him in various ways. It tempted him to stone, uh, turn the stones into bread. Obviously, he did that because after 40 days of fasting, you're very hungry. So he tried to tempt him with that. Jesus didn't fall for it. Then he tempted Jesus. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world. He showed Jesus. He said, just look at all the kingdoms of this world. He said, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give them to you, for they have been delivered unto me, and I can give them to whomever I will. You find that in the temptation. Satan said, I can give them to whomever I will, for they have been delivered unto me. Well, they were delivered unto Satan back in the garden when Adam and Eve transgressed. They, 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 they handed their authority to rule and to reign on the earth over to the enemy. Satan became the god of this world system. Small g, he's not god, but he became the god of this world system. We are still under the effects of this world, this ungodly world system that Satan is the god of. We have been delivered from the power of darkness, but we have not been delivered from the presence of it. We've been delivered from the power, but not from the presence of the enemy. That should spur you on to pray. So anyway, so, uh, so Satan is tempting Jesus. Basically what Satan is trying to do, he, he's trying to preempt the will of God. Satan knows that. That Jesus is going to get back the authority to rule and to reign on the earth. He knows that he's going to strip it from, Satan knows that it's going to be stripped away from him again. He knows that he got it by deception and he knows that Jesus has come to restore humanity back to the original position in the garden, ruling and reigning, having dominion, being fruitful, multiplying. Now, my mom and dad took that very serious to be fruitful and multiply and So they had themselves 16 children and <laughs> they, they thought they had a heavy burden to make very sure that, you know, they could have delegated some of that. But <laughs> nonetheless, so humanity is restored back to that position. Satan was endeavoring to preempt the will of God. He knows that Jesus is going to restore humanity back, but Satan thought he could tempt Jesus and say, Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll restore all these kingdoms. I'll restore all this authority back to you. Now, don't you think if you were in Jesus's shoes, you had an opportunity to bow down and worship this being And this being had the authority to give you all the kingdoms of the world to give everything back to you. If you just bowed down and worshiped him, you could do it that way. Or you could be obedient and God, let this hour pass from me. Boy, I could just bow down. I could just just bow down and worship and get it all back. But that's not your will. It's not your will for me to preempt what you want to do. I'm going to be obedient. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to do it. Would you all just pray with me? It's very difficult. And then he comes back and they're sleeping. <laughs> the toughest toughest hour of his life. And they fall asleep on him. But that's what. He, that's the temptation. He is being tempted, Jesus was being tempted to bow down to worship Satan, and then all the kingdoms would be restored to him. But that wasn't God's plan. God had a better plan. Didn't look better to Jesus, but ultimately it was a better plan. He said, God was not going to get it back by deception. He's going to get it back Through covenant and his son, Jesus Christ, sin entered the world. Sin must be atoned for because God's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He sent Jesus into the earth, and Jesus is going to go to Calvary's cross. He knew why he came to the earth. He knew why he came, but when he came, he took on a flesh body, and in that flesh body, he felt all the pressures and all the temptations that you and I feel. The scriptures tell us he was tempted in every way that we're tempted, but he didn't yield to it, thank God. So that's the temptation that he's talking about. Pray so that you do not enter into temptation to preempt the will of God. Don't allow your natural mind, don't allow the the kingdoms of this world to deceive you and try to preempt the will of God, and do things worldly ways rather than godly ways. And we could spend many, many hours and just discussing different ways that uh, the kingdoms of this world offer us, prom- promise us and offer us the good life and the peaceful life and the happy life and the joyful life and living life you know, every, everything's all wonderful. And there's, you know, the... The, the, the pleasures that we have, the, the comforts, the, the, the things that we have at our disposal in and of themselves are not wrong. But how are we approaching life? Are we doing it according to godly principles or are we doing it with worldly principles? So the temptation here for Jesus was, uh, was to uh, remembering that Satan said, worship me and I'll give it to you. Well, that's a whole lot easier, worshiping someone and, and having it given to you versus being crucified And taking on the sins of the world when you yourself didn't never sin, but you're taking on the sin of the world. That's a whole lot harder to do. But Jesus, he did it, even though he was tempted not to do it. And then he's telling his disciples, you know, he said, pray. He said, pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Then look at the last sentence in that verse, verse 38. What's it say? Verse 38, the last part. The spirit is what? The spirit is willing, but this old flesh is what? Weak. Weak. When you were born again, created in the image and the likeness of God, that was your spirit man made alive unto God. Your spirit man wants to obey God. Your spirit man wants to walk in obedience. Your spirit man is the man that says, nevertheless, not my will, but, but your will be done. Your flesh will not say that. Your flesh will take the easy way. It will, always, it will always take the easy way. Your flesh will be tempted to bow down and worship Satan and prosper that way rather than serving God. Because it, always, it looks easier and it looks more enticing and it's probably faster. It may be faster and it may be quicker. And so we yield to it. And Jesus said the way you're going to overcome that and the way you're going to start serving and the way you're going to start advancing your, the, the kingdom on this earth and God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The way that's going to be manifested in our lives is when we recognize that our flesh is weak, our spirit is willing, therefore we need to always be prayerful that we do not enter into temptation. We're not entering into temptation to lie, to cheat, to steal, and to kill in order to advance our agenda. We will not yield to that. We will always be yielded to the spirit of the living God. And we will be walking in love. We'll be doing business God's way. We'll be walking and, and, and being imitators of God as their children. And we will uh, not be yielding in to anything that the flesh is trying to get us to do. So Pray. Build up your most holy faith. Build up your ability to trust God. Build up your ability to receive His promises. The promises in, throughout god 's word are are for real they 're not just there to entice you they 're not there to work for some people and they 're not and, and not for others they 're not to, there to work for you sometimes and not other times you know we don 't have this well, perhaps it's god 's will, and perhaps it 's not sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no and sometimes he says not now you know that 's not what the promises of god that 's not what governs them you know prayers answered or not answered it has nothing to do with God saying yea, nay, maybe so so, not now. Not you. I don't like you as much as I like someone else. We're not playing games. And prayer is not just a Christian discipline, that we, it's just something that we do because God told us to do it, and therefore we, we, we're, we're doing something we think is prayer, but we're not really sure God's pleased with it. We're really not sure God wants us to pray this. And, and we just, you know, we, we really need to get serious about it, get ourselves into the Word of God, and recognize that what God's promises are, what God has in store for us individually, but even more importantly, what does God have in store For the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said he's going to build the church. The gates of hell would not prevail against it. Are you a member of the body of Christ? Are you born again? Then the gates of hell, the authorities of hell will not prevail against you. you. Amen. Jesus said that. But as a church, we need to rise up and recognize that God's promises are governed by conditions. Everyone say, governed by conditions. conditions. I know you're really excited about that. Say, okay, here we go. Governed by conditions, and the conditions involve responsibility on our part. (laughs) Sometimes I make really profound statements, and you all get excited and say amen, and sometimes I say some really profound statements, and you all just sit there and look at me like, Conditions involve responsibility in our part. Come on, Pastor Ray. I thought this is Grace Fellowship Church. It is Grace Fellowship Church. I thought it's all about God's grace. It is all about God's grace. But in God's grace, we have responsibilities. There are laws that govern everything that takes place in our lives. And it's never as much about God choosing and favoring one person over another person. It all comes back to the laws of sowing and reaping the laws of cause and effect." And in our prayers, we know that. And in our prayers, we will learn how to pray. We will learn how to resist temptation to to be in in being disobedient to God. And we will come into a place where we're walking in obedience because we hear the voice of God. We're in communion with him. And we recognize that, that I have responsibility. I have a responsibility. Adam was given authority in the garden. How things went in the garden were dependent on Adam. You have been given responsibility. With that responsibility, he has given you authority. The authority rests in the name of Jesus. In faith, in the name of Jesus, therein lies your authority. Everyone say, faith in the name of Jesus. In faith in the name of Jesus, therein lies your authority to exercise every promise, to, to pray every promise, to believe every promise, and to receive every promise in the Word of God. And in that lies your authority to, to, to not only pray for you personally, but to stand in the gap for people to get together and to intercede, to build the wall and, 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 and to build a resistance against all the fiery flaming darts of the evil one. Amen. Amen. And we have responsibilities and we have a responsibility together as a body of Christ to lock ourselves together in prayer, to really be locked together in prayer, believing that God is for us, that, that we have an armor, that we need to be wearing an armor. We need to have a helmet of salvation and a shield of faith and, and just you know, the entire armor that's listed in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. These are not just nice stories. These are realities, and the reality, the backstory story is, is that the enemy is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's the liar and the father of lies, and he's relentless. He won't give up, and we need to be one up on him through faith in the name of Jesus, and we need to be busy. We need to be praying. We need to be involved in the, in the principles and the promises of God's word, the laws of sowing and reaping, believing that they are working. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. You sow in the spirit, you're going to uh, reap of the spirit, and it's... Uh, it, it, it's a vital part of everything that we are experiencing in life. There's a unique Proverbs 13 and 23. It's kind of a unique little verse in there that you may not even be that familiar with it, but it reads like this It says, Much food is in the fallow or uncultivated ground. Everyone say uncultivated ground, uncultivated, uncultivated ground of the poor. Now, when you read that, and just be real honest, according, if, if I see that correctly, perhaps because I grew up on a farm, but if I read that much food is in the f- uncultivated ground of the poor, that tells me that the poor wouldn't have to be poor if he would cultivate his ground. Anybody have a problem with that? Uncultivated. What ground in our lives is Uncultivated. What's uncultivated in our lives? Our love walk? Perhaps that's uncultivated. Perhaps that's not developed and flourishing like it should be. There's a lot of fruit in there going to waste. A lot of stuff going to waste because we haven't cultivated our love life. And you can just take that in any arena of life you want to. The reason I bring that out is because if it's... These are, these are principles. These are promises and principles that carry responsibility. And I want you to see that we, we have a responsibility to, to be cultivating everything that God has made available to us. Cultivating it. Cultivating our prayer life. Cultivating it making sure it's vital, making sure that it's for real, making sure that we understand that, listen, I have a responsibility and I have, a, not only do I have a responsibility, but thank God I have authority to pray in Jesus name, the name above all names. And I have that responsibility and I take that responsibility. And, and so we can't continue to go through life, not sowing and expecting a harvest. We can't go through life, not abiding in the word of God. The scriptures tells us in John 15, 7, we looked at this verse, I think, two weeks ago. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. An awesome promise. An awesome promise. But we want to hang on to that promise of ask what you will, and it will be done for you. And we want to try to do that without abiding in the word. Abiding in him. Notice we're not cultivating. We're not cultivating that time in his word. So we need to be cultivating it. There's much fruit in the uncultivated ground in our lives. We don't abide and we expect it, but we still expect to ask whatever we want and expect him to give it to us. And when we don't get it, then we get mad at God, we get disappointed at God, we get offended at God, then get offended at the preacher, get offended at the church and just say, ah, that stuff doesn't work. It just works for preachers. It just works for television evangelists. It just works for certain people. No, it doesn't. A law is a law is a law, and it'll work for whoever will work it. The law of sowing and reaping is a law, you know, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. What are you doing with it? How are you working it? How are you cultivating it? We don't walk in love, but we expect God's favor. We don't walk in love, but we expect God to hear our prayers and answer our prayers. The Bible tells us, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, I think it's in verse 13, he said, everyone who asks, receives. Now, either Jesus is flat out lying to us, or we are just missing it somewhere. I happen to believe. You want to really know what I believe? Yes. I believe we're the ones that are missing it. Yes. I do not believe that God is... Dealing with us unjustly. I do not believe that Jesus is lying to us. I believe when Jesus said, Everyone who asks receives. If I read that correctly, that's 100%. 100%. Now I, I have a lot of room to grow in getting my prayers answered. In getting my prayers answered. And so I'm suggesting that we start cultivating the things that we're to be cultivating. What uncultivated grounds, what, what promises from God's word are we just flat out ignoring? What commands from God's scripture are we ignoring, but then hoping that the promises will work anyway? I want you to know that how things are going on the earth, how things are going around the globe are dependent more on the church than they are on the government. The way things are going in our households, the way things are going in our lives, the way things are going with us are more dependent on our relationship with God than, than they are on, on God picking and choosing who's going to be receiving all the answers and who's going to be struggling. Right. How many times do we see lack in one arena or another and when you really study it it's like the the man of wisdom said here it's uncultivated ground you didn't develop that area of your life you're not cultivating it you're not sowing into it you're not tending it you're not keeping it you're not guarding it you're not taking authority over it so let's get busy and let's do it amen let's be men and women of prayer let's be students of prayer And let's begin to believe God's word. I would encourage you to start small. If if this is something that's completely foreign to you, Pastor, you're saying I can really pray and I can learn to believe God and that God's going to answer my prayers. Yes, on the authority of the word of God, I'm saying yes. But be real with yourself and be real with God and start somewhere, start with a little garden patch someplace. Okay, this little area of my life, I'm gonna I'm gonna cultivate this, I'm gonna develop this area, and I'm gonna believe God in this area. And then I'm gonna uh, and then I'm gonna get some additional acreage, and then I'm gonna put some additional acreage, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end up, I'm gonna have some, I'm gonna have myself a spread of land, I'm gonna be a rancher, and I, I can just see all these areas that I'm cultivating my, my life, and I can see vineyards and I can see fields of wheat. And I can see vineyards and I can see corn and I can see harvest. Everywhere I look, I see potential harvest. Wow. Everywhere I look throughout the Word of God, I see harvest in this area. I see harvest concerning my health and my well-being. I see harvest concerning every need being met according to his riches and glory. I see harvest in the love of God and in my family walking in the love of God and me being a person of love. And when I say family, you know, it begins with me. And sometimes we pray for our families to get their act together. say <laughs> if we, have, we approach it like ours is together. You know, if they'll just all agree with me, we'll all get along just fine. But, but anyway... That'll be a different message, so we won't have to get into that one. <laughs> so, everyone who asks receives. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it will be done for you. So, why pray? Is it just a Christian discipline? No. It is, it is a way of releasing the governing, God given authority. That God has invested in you when you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Open up your heart. Open up that fertile soil and begin to cultivate it and and develop it and begin to see fruit and begin to see answers to your prayers and and, and begin to be just uh, have a confidence in God. In 1 John chapter 5, I think it's verse 15 and 16 or somewhere. No, First John chapter 5. Who knows what it is? What am I going to say? I'm going to say, if we pray according to his will. If we pray anything, ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is it 14 and 15? First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. If we pray according to his will, he hears us. Then the next verse says, and if we know that he hears us, we know, we know what? Yeah, we know that we have it, right? Do you know that he hears you? Well, if you know that he hears you, then you can know that you received it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so I hope these past three Sundays have spurred you on, it was intended to be provocative, to really spur us on to why pray, to just a wake up calls. It's my responsibility. How things go in my life are my responsibility. In my family's life, my responsibility. How things are going in your life and in your family, your responsibility. And corporately, we are all one family of God. So we are, in that sense, we are one another's responsibility. Let's be praying for one another. And when we are doing that and we take it seriously, that doesn't allow any room for gossiping, backbiting, Amen. judging. It leaves no room for any of any of the things that would disqualify. It's OK. There's principles. There's governing principles. And we have responsibilities And some of the governing principles are telling it's cause and effect. And there's cause and effect in the negative things. It's like there's cause and effect in doing all the things in love and in faith. So let's cultivate love, let's cultivate faith in the name of Jesus, name above all name, cultivate our faith in God, and let's put some weed killer on strife and envy and bitterness and judgment, and let's just just wipe it out in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. And I thank you, Lord God, for showing us that uh, we really need to be praying, as Jesus said, pray that we enter not into temptation, the flesh... The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So, Father God, we want to wake up our willing spirit. We want to cultivate our, our walking with you, our spirit man, cultivate and, and, and train and develop in Jesus' name. And, and, and not being led by the flesh, but learning to be led by the spirit of the living God and learn to trust you in Jesus' name and accept the, the reality that we have responsibilities, that there's governing principles at work here within the kingdom, and that, Lord, God, we recognize that in these governing principles, we have tremendous uh, uh, responsibility. And so we take it seriously, and we purpose to walk with you. We purpose to walk in wisdom, walking in the love of God. And in Jesus' name, we commit to being men and women of prayer. In Jesus' name, all the people that agree with that said, Amen. 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 Praise God.